Hello friends. My name is Sherry Phillips. I'm a spiritual director living in the Portland metro area. I've been journeying with people as a personal pastor for eight years. So I have the privilege of bearing witness to God's creative and loving work in many lives. I'm joined by my dear friend Anne Chrysler, who has graciously offered to share with you how God is walking her through a suffering season right now. It's truly a joy to be with you at the Encourage Gathering, even if we don't get to be together. And we miss you. We miss seeing your faces. So today, Anne and I are going to talk about soul care in the midst of suffering. When I prepared this presentation for the Encourage Gathering planned for March, as a nation, we were experiencing a time of great abundance, great freedom, and all the things we have when we fall asleep under the delusion that pretty much everything is in control. We have the luxury of concerning ourselves with inconsequential things because we weren't trying to protect our health and our very lives. That is to say that we were able to move around freely, going to get our hair and nails done, taking our kids to their activities and play dates, working with our teams, shopping in actual stores, our husbands were able to continue their work lives, play competitive sports, and mostly, if they're like my husband, watch up-to-date competitive sports on television. But all of that came to a screeching halt. It's interesting how abundance gives us that sense of freedom that comes with almost an entitlement of freedom. Intellectually, we know we are not in control, but we just can't help functioning as if we are during the times of ease. Now, I know life wasn't easy for everyone four months ago. In March, some of us were right in the center of suffering journeys, wondering how we got there, or suffering because our long-awaited dream continued to be out of reach. But most of us, even in the midst of tough relationships or circumstances, were not experiencing the total disillusionment and disorientation of a suffering journey. Now, four months later, we are all suffering disillusionment and disorientation. Many are suffering layers of pain and loss beyond what the pandemic has brought us. But one thing that is true for all is that a pandemic has taken us out at the knees by changing everything. It was and continues to be interesting watching how slowly people take in the wholesale change we are experiencing we just can't take it all in at once because it's so big. Rather, we've had to absorb it slowly. Somehow, over the past four months, we've gotten accustomed to staying more confined to our homes. Most of us wear masks when we're out and about. We are grocery shopping with people who are sharing a general sense of panic trying to stay six feet away from each other while they fill their grocery lists. We miss everyday life and some of the people that we haven't seen for a very long time. I'm afraid we're going to be in this condition for quite some time, slowly absorbing and adapting to new realities. In pre-pandemic time, retail marketing offered us hundreds of ways to keep at bay anything that would threaten our abundance and freedom. 
For decades, we've been flooded with media messages walking us into myriad ways to mitigate the risks of falling prey to poverty, sickness, powerlessness, vulnerability, or even death. Now, here we are, suddenly encountering all of that, all because of a virulent virus that came out of nowhere. As a global community, we are in the collective season of suffering, disillusionment, and disorientation. And most of us, at least in the first world culture, were not very good at it. So, suffering comes to all humankind. No one gets a pass on it. I remember when I was a young wife and mother, my husband and I went through a rough patch with employment. It was actually about a 10-year rough patch. And it taught me a lot about the loss of security and the loss of dreams. We learned that God was our strong foundation and that he would never abandon us. We watched how God showed up in miraculous ways to take care of our family down to the smallest detail. Our faith grew and along with it grew the suspicion that we just might be getting tested for bigger forms of suffering in the future. You know what? That turned out to be true. Much bigger suffering seasons were in our future, and we've lived and grown through many of them. And as you might have guessed, more of them are coming for us. And I say this to remind myself and you that life contains both dark and light, good times and bad, all of them are deeply valuable. I'm going to say that again. All of those times, dark and light, are valuable. But here's what I've learned and am learning about the dark times. This is where I've encountered God most fully. I've grown to see and love God's character, His faithfulness, and His love. And this is also where my character has grown and where I have most experienced how much God loves me. I have learned to walk in the darkness and I'm still learning by God's grace. From my experience with suffering and walking with others on their journeys, I want to offer you three movements for soul care during seasons of suffering. I believe we suffer from experiencing things we don't want, and we suffer from wanting things we don't have. I'm going to say that again. I believe we suffer from experiencing things we don't want, and we suffer from wanting things we don't have. Some suffering journeys are perpetual, and we have to learn to live with them. And some journeys are sudden and seasonal. But in all cases, we come up against the truth that we are suffering a loss beyond our control. We cannot will something to happen or will it to go away. We are powerless to see the future we want to have. As you think back on your suffering experiences, what kind of reactions and questions did you start with? Typically, we start with some like these. First, we start with this idea. I'm going to deny this is happening. This is the mind's first line of defense for a situation that's too big to comprehend initially. It doesn't seem real, so we try to convince ourselves that it's not real and that there's been some kind of mistake. 
We might raise some good questions and creative narratives to help us stay in this place for a while, but eventually we find ourselves dealing with the next response to suffering, which is, why me? It's a good question, and we really don't like its pithy answer, why not me? Why me? We experience feelings of injustice, and we spend time building a case for why this should not have happened. This is where we might be tempted to believe that we did something bad to deserve this suffering, and if that's the case, what good could we do to get out of it? Another response to suffering is, how am I going to go on? How am I going to live with this? We understand that we've lost the future we were counting on. Our dream has died. We don't know what to expect or how to dream anymore. We sure did like our dream more than our reality. We'd rather go back to a dreamlike state. Sometimes we resist moving forward. Another question that arises from suffering is, what will I or what will we do about this pain? We can become overwhelmed with the responsibility of making sure I will be okay and everyone else will be okay. We still feel we need to do something, anything, to change the circumstance or deal with the circumstance. Eventually, when we've circled around with these few questions for a while, we end up at this one. How can God be good if he allowed this to happen to me? You know what? All these questions ultimately end here. The most important relationship we have comes into question. It's almost like we need to find a bad guy to blame our troubles on. And we start imagining a distant, withdrawn, and unfair God who randomly strikes people down or denies them what they want. We bounce away from this unfriendly image of God and back into taking on the responsibility for our own suffering. A circular journey like this that can go on and on can lead to helplessness and despair. Okay, right here in this place, here is the invitation God gives you to care for your soul. God wants you to bring these questions to him. He wants you to bring them to Him. These questions are a welcome starting point. We are angry. We're hurt. We're suffering. God welcomes us in this form and generously gathers us to Himself to weep with us. We lament together, and God hears us and promises to be with us. My friends, this is the first step to soul care in the time of suffering. And this step, sometimes we need to come back and repeat and repeat and repeat. This step involves feeling what you feel without condemning yourself, refusing to try to solve it for yourself or others, and most importantly, it allows you and invites you to fling yourself on the Father's lap, to cry it out in His presence. Give yourself up to the season of lament. Do not be afraid to be mad, even at God. It's honest. He can take it. 
Because human beings are solution-focused, our temptation is to go around or end-run our suffering journeys just in order to get back to life as normal. We are wounded, and we just want to get back to the life we were able to manage. So we tend to start off on one of three pathways, or we wander around for a bit on all of them. The first pathway is, you know, we love to distract ourselves from this from the journey. And distraction can look like doing things we can control, fanatically, like picking up a hobby, or cleaning the house over and over, or dieting, or exercising. None of these things are bad at all. But they all have the potential to keep your mind off of the suffering, and therefore they can grow in importance. They can crawl on the altar. You begin to think this activity will save you or change the outcome. Another wandering journey can look like checking out. This can look like abusing alcohol or shopping, abusing food, gambling, sleeping all the time. This would be any activity that is numbing and takes you away from the pain. Many, many people have gone from suffering down the road of numbing and have never turned back. The world is full of them. You may know them. There is another wandering, distracting journey that we see a lot and often in the church, and that's this one, pretending that everything is good. This is the game we play with ourselves, that everything is fine. I'm going to be fine. We wear a happy mask so we can make ourselves be positive. And we want to make sure everyone else is feeling positive too. You know what? Heaven help the person who wants to get under that mask and ask you how you're really doing. They see through your game, and you're not ready to. Okay, right here in this place, ladies, here is the invitation God gives you to care for your soul. Allow Him to lead you through the journey. Allow Him to lead you through the journey. The Holy Spirit abides in you, and the fullness of God is all around you. You are hemmed in on all sides by the God who loves you. Isaiah 40.11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. Sometimes we need to be honest with ourselves about trusting God. Our truth may be that we don't trust him. We know we should. We want to trust him. But we can't honestly say, yeah, I trust him. You know what? It's okay to go to God with that truth. He can take it. It's honest. It's the beginning of an honest and growing relationship. If you were taking God out of the equation, you would not be coming to him with this. So here's the second step of soul care on a suffering journey. And it is to let God be with you. Don't go it alone. Hold his hand as he leads you on the gritty journey of suffering. He promises to love and be with you. He intends to make good out of all suffering. He has done that since the dawn of creation. 
Consider Job, who chose not to occupy himself with delusions of control, or by checking out, or by pretending that everything was just fine. Job railed. He raised his fist. And he chose to trust God, even though he did not understand what was happening to him. He chose to trust God, even though God was silent for a long time on Job's journey. Job's wife suggested that it would be better to curse God and die. But you know what? Job hung in there. He journeyed with God through his suffering, and Job and God eventually wrestled their way to new ground, new understanding, and new life. Here are some guideposts for the gritty journey. First, hope and desires. Hope and desires. Consider how often we link these things together, as in, my hope and desire is that such and such would happen. I often ask my clients if they would try unlinking those two things. Our desires matter to God, and He wants to know them, all of them. None of them are silly or stand outside of God's care, so we don't need to throw away our desires or to stuff them away somewhere. But listen to this. We should not put our hope in our desires, either. We put our hope in God. This can remind us that we put our hope in the outcomes God will engineer, not in the outcome we want to engineer. I'm going to say that again. When we disconnect desire from hope, and we hold and host our desires, but we put our hope in God, this can remind us that we put our hope in the, in the outcome God's going to engineer, not in the outcome we want to engineer. This is a subtle but profound shift. And from this place, we can desire deliverance from our suffering and put our hope in God's timing. Secondly, our experiences of suffering will invite us to move out of a box of understanding that we have been in. This box is what we've created to understand who we are and how we need to protect ourselves and how everything is supposed to look and work in our lives. This box also includes our idea of God and His role in keeping our lives in order. For us to fully enter into our suffering journeys, we will have to participate in breaking ourselves out of our own boxes during a time when we feel very vulnerable. Our box was a container for understanding a small God, and the God we're getting to know through suffering is just bigger and more mysterious than we had imagined or had in our box. And this is also true. We are more courageous than we'd ever imagined. When we willingly break God out of the small box we had created for Him, we will have the opportunity to move into the paradox that circumstances can be devastating and God still good. Circumstances can be devastating and God is still good. Lastly, we are invited to follow Jesus through the journey of suffering instead of pretending that everything is fine or numbing out or controlling. What does it look like to follow Jesus into the unknown? It's always your decision to make. 
You can stay where you are in order to convince yourself that you are in control, or you can follow Jesus and surrender to his love and leading for your life. The illustration is this. I want you to imagine with me that you see a thick cloud in front of you. It's so thick you cannot see around it and you cannot see beyond it. What you do see, though, is Jesus right in front of you, heading straight into the cloud. He looks resolutely ahead. His arm is outstretched and his hand is reaching for yours. And you see his feet walking into the cloud. Will you reach out and grab his hand? Will you follow where his feet are leading? Will you trust him to stay with you? Can you trust him enough to lead you to wherever this is going? I repeat, the second step of soul care on a suffering journey is to let God be with you and don't go it alone. When you consider your experiences with suffering, what have you learned from them? How have they helped you to know and understand God more fully? And how have they helped you to know yourself more fully? Have you grown in your ability to enter into suffering and let it teach you? And if not, what have you been doing to deal with it? Numbing out? Pretending that everything is okay? Reaching for control? Your response to the pandemic season we are in may actually be revealing to you in this regard. Because of the pandemic season and the disorientation we all feel, we have the opportunity to grow and stretch into the truth that God is good and engineers all outcomes. He is intent on healing, freeing, and reconciling everything, even when we walk in the darkness. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's promise to you on your journey. Can you move forward toward expressing your desires for restoration, abundance, and freedom, and at the same time, put your hope in God's plan and timing? Here's the invitation God gives you to care for your soul. This is the third movement. Create a rhythm for your inner life. Come to God with the question, what are you doing through this in me? How is this happening for me? How do you plan to use it for your kingdom? Here's the third step of soul care on a suffering journey. First, develop a daily contemplative practice. 
set aside some time of silence and solitude for noticing your emotions, your thoughts, and how your body is doing. In the presence of God, just welcome all that is there. Be fully present to yourself and God who is in you and with you. Let Him breathe you for a moment and enjoy knowing that He's doing that. From this place, step into a prayer and share your desires with Him. If you are unable to articulate a prayer, just let the Holy Spirit pray on your behalf and trust that that's happening. Secondly, be careful who you listen to during a time of suffering. Make listening to the Holy Spirit the priority. Be with and listen to people who can hold the paradox of suffering along with God's grace for you. Feel free to carefully buffer those who would pull you into pretending, controlling, or escaping. In my mind, I think about this as keep it vertical. Keep it vertical as the first priority and be careful how you go horizontal. Thirdly, consider how you stay turned toward God, even if you're not yet fully ready to surrender your future to Him. And what I mean by this is this. When we are invited to courageously surrender to a journey, sometimes many of our answers to the invitation or the situation are no. Even though we want to say yes, and we may feel guilty for saying no, our honest reaction is no, I can't do it, not yet. This is our inner truth, and it really reflects our desire for wholeness. But at the same time, we hold this and don't judge it and we let it be true. We can stay turned toward God and put our hope in His love and timing, open to the possibility that our no's can become yeses under His gentle love and guidance. Remember, all of us are learning how to trust God at some level. Hear God honor that and know that He waits patiently for you and He does not condemn you. Can you wait patiently for this process in you? Can you refuse to self-condemn? Next, protect your energy margin. The process of being on a suffering journey takes a lot of energy, but it's worth the investment. Be careful to protect and be honest with yourself about your bandwidth. And lastly, follow the model that Jesus gave us in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked God if he could be spared the ordeal ahead of him. And I want you to hear here that Jesus shared his desire with God, his human desire with God. And then he surrendered to God's plan and timing. And here I want you to notice Jesus put his hope in God. This is the posture we're going for. The posture of Mary when she said, Be it unto me according to your will. And the posture of Jesus when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. The third step of soul care and the suffering journey is to make space for God. The journeys of suffering we find ourselves on move us to an increased awareness that we exist within the heart of the Trinity. 
We are surrounded by the persons of God who created us, sustain us, love us, and want us with him. We were created for that relationship. God the Father breathed us into existence and has been continually present in our lives. God the Son experienced all manner of loss, grief, abandonment, and death, and He walks with us on, in our suffering from a place of knowing. And God the Spirit, who comforts and gives grace and new meaning during our journeys of suffering. Now, ladies, you might have been able to tell that I read that document to you. Um, and I have it. That's what I want to tell you is I have this document in the form of a white paper. And you can get that from me by emailing me at sherry at sherryphillips.com. S-H-E-R-I at S-H-E-R-I-P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com. If you ask me uh, for a white copy, I will also be happy to send you some exercises that you can work with and reflect with. But I really want to get us into the most incredible part of today's presentation, which is my dear friend Anne, um, who is, has been on a journey of suffering um, that was sudden and out of nowhere. Her journey of suffering predated COVID-19, and so it's been layered over the top of, of the general suffering of COVID. And Anne is giving us tremendous gift today because she is, is being willing to share from the front lines of her suffering journey exactly how she's doing. And I tell you, it's going to be a hu huge gift to you. So Anne, um, I just want to start us off by telling us, like set us up, where are you on your journey right now? Well, let me let me tell you. I um, who I am is wife of thirty one years, mother of two adult children. Um, I work part time on mm -hmm. an organic uh, farm locally, and teach science to elementary school children using the farm as the classroom. Um, I live in the country and um, have a rural lifestyle <laughs> in so many ways. And I, I feel like Bob and I are living our dream, mm -hmm. that we are able to travel. I join him traveling internationally for his business. We've um, taken some vacations. Life is great, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I come from a background of mom is a registered dietitian, always ate well. I started running in high school, haven't stopped. Mm -hmm. And um, suddenly in November, I go to the doctor for something unrelated, doesn't even matter, and they tell me that I have stage four lung cancer. So my journey began shortly after Halloween 
mm-hmm. with all of those steps mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. How did somebody else's CT scan and MRI get into my folder? Right. How how could this be? Yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah. So you've been on this journey for seven months now. Yeah. Seven months. Yeah. And as you kind of think about these things we're talking about suffering, can you share a little bit about the your experiences with lament and your experience with God's being with you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it started, I feel like it kind of started, well, I've known... I've known Jesus my whole life. I got to grow up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember in the very beginning, God spoke to me three times. And he said to me, <laughs> he said to me, remember, you are in a battle with me. Huh. Remember, yeah. you are in a battle with me. And then he said, maybe a few weeks later, um, operate from a place of my mercy. I feel like that's really and, and then just for fun, he said, watch me dunk. <laughs> <laughs> what did that mean? <laughs> I, I'm still waiting for what that means. But at least it, it brings a smile to my face. Like slam dunk. Like, like basketball. Okay. Yeah, watch okay. me dunk. <laughs> I'm on the court and I have a power move. Ready? Wow. Watch for it. Wow. Um, and I would say I just read Lamentations again, maybe two or three weeks ago, because my journey of lament right now is is one of God being really quiet. Mm-hmm. He's really silent. And verse 2 of chapter 3 says he has led me into darkness and I feel like it is a dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. that God is just quiet right now and verse 8 says and though I cry out and shout he has shut out my prayers Mm -hmm. so honestly right now Mm -hmm. I'm in a far different place than I was even in March Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I'm not where I was. Um, and I like to think that I've taken Jesus' hand. And I I am following him through this. I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss what he has for me mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's really hard. And I've been begging God to talk to me and speak to me and encourage me and show up the way he has in Mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. And he's just not. Mm -hmm. I'm still running. And honestly, some of my very best time with God is when I'm running. Wow. I'm running the hills out by my house and and I have said those things to him. I have said everybody's is talking about how good God is, right? Everybody right. mentions the goodness of God. Yeah. And I straight up told him, this feels really bad. Uh-huh. It feels bad. It hurts. 
it feels like like God isn't with me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel his presence or hear his voice mm-hmm. like I did before. Mm-hmm. And that makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like you um, are able to tell him these truths? Yes. And you are able to ask him to come and speak to you. That's the desire of your heart. Yes. Do you feel like you can put your hope in, in, like, stay turned toward him and and waiting for his timing? Can are you holding those two things together, or does it feel like you want to push back away from God and put your hope in other places? I feel I feel like my hope is still in him. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel like that's part of the frustration right now. Mm. My hope is in him. I depend on him. I Mm -hmm. want him. I need him. Yeah. I have a desperate, deep need for God. Yeah. And I I don't understand why Mm -hmm. he's quiet, why he's silent. Yeah. And I do spend time in his word. Yeah. And I do pray, and I I see him. You mm-hmm. and I talked just mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. about being in nature. I yeah. love to garden, yeah. and I'm literally on my knees, mm-hmm. knees to the earth, and, and I feel like I hear the birds sing, and... And I want to hear his voice. I want to experience more of him. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm not. And and that hurts. That's hard. That's mm-hmm. confusing. That's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know... That is where my help comes from. Mm -hmm. I know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, Cody Carnes song, Run to the Father. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that says, right, my heart needs a surgeon. I feel like those Israelites in the the wilderness. Yes. They were in their wilderness, and I'm in my wilderness. Yes, yes. Where God is saying, I'm doing this to humble you and to test you. And I feel like the humbling is still happening. Mm. My heart Mm. needs a surgeon Mm -hmm. because I have shared with God that because of the, I feel like it's because of the disconnect within me. Mm That my head knows God is good, Mm -hmm. but my heart is broken, Mm -hmm. and my gut just doesn't feel anything good right now. Yeah, like everything's wrong. Everything is out of balance, and it's disconnected. That's the best word I can have. And I think that that is evidence of my heart and heart. Mm. I need... I need as... Ezekiel says, I need that that heart of stone removed and I need a heart of flesh. That is such a vulnerable and beautiful and humble owning on your part. It really, it's, that is a lot, Anne. Wow. 
I feel like I feel like that is my next step. Mm-hmm. And how do I how do I balance that with fighting this cancer? Yeah, I don't want it. Right. I have this thing that I don't want that um, that has given me the opportunity to let go of mm-hmm. all of my dreams mm-hmm. for the future. Mm-hmm. My dreams of growing old with my husband. And maybe they will still happen. Yeah. God can miraculously yes, heal me. He can. And how do I fight for that? Mm-hmm. And accept that that may not be. That God's engineering an outcome. Yes. Yeah. And I still, I still want my outcome. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. still want my yeah. outcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we're seeing is your beautiful. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Um, your beautiful uh, grace of of honesty with yourself, like you're being so honest. I love that. I think that's very unusual, to be honest with you. For someone to say, no, this is my no. These are my no's. Yeah. I haven't wrapped my mind around these yet. And I still want God. I'm still pursuing God. I still know God is walking with me in this. Yeah. And and I just, aren't, aren't the Israelites in the wilderness the perfect yeah. example? Because everything about them said no. Yeah. No, we do not like this. Yeah. No, we want our temple. You know, we would go back to slavery. We would go back to the old right. slavery. Right. Um, and God let them linger in that place for 40 years. And he never left them. Right. He was with them. You know, the pillar of smoke and the fire. Yeah. So that is what's happening yeah. for relationship. God is not leaving you. He is not stepping out of this relationship. And I think providing, perhaps, providing the opportunity to trust, mm-hmm. to trust that he is there, Yeah. even though I don't see him or feel him the way I have, Yeah. to, to trust. And, and I guess the rest of the wilderness part is, you know, he fed them with manna yeah. and, and water them. from a, a rock. Yeah. And I feel like I want my manna. I, I need him to sustain me. Mm-hmm. I, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. Yeah. Thank you. Such a beautiful, persevering journey. And thank you so much for the gift of sharing it with us. You're welcome. We, we appreciate that. All right, Uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, just thank you so much for uh, the way that you love us and lead us through times that are so hard and so disillusioning and so disorienting. Lord, you stay with us and you pursue us and you pursue us to freedom. You have visions of freedom for us. You have visions of healing for us that we may not understand and we may not correlate with. We may not 
understand your form of healing as healing. We, we know that we cannot see the perspective that you see. So Lord, when we're on our suffering journeys, give us eyes to see what you see and, and the knowing that you are with us always and that you love us deeply. And help it to be an honest journey, Lord. You want a real relationship with a real person. And so help us to bring that person to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time together. Amen.